Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusik. Again, as I mentioned in previous episodes, we are bringing back some of the best of. Today is guest Courtney Fleet. She was episode 008 on From John Muir to Toddler Hikes. And I have an update, actually. She has since started a new Instagram page called happy trails and ponytails. And she's added a third child to their family. And so there's been a lot of changes in their family. But I think the essence of this episode is still so important, especially for parents, young families and parents with toddlers, just working through this evolution of who you were before. And now as a parent, how do you still maintain that adventurous spirit? And so I really love the essence of this episode. And without any further ado, here is Courtney with from John Muir Trail to toddler hikes. In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Today's episode, From John Muir Trail to Toddler Hikes with Courtney Fleet, is sure to be an exciting journey. Courtney is a native Oklahoman who grew up traveling throughout the U.S. with her family. She has visited 43 states, lived in two countries, and now resides in North Carolina with her husband, two daughters, and two dogs. Hiking and backpacking have become growing passions of hers since she was young and something she enjoys doing with her sister and now with her young girls. When she's not doing all these adventurous things... She's also working full-time as a physical therapist. I am so excited to share Courtney's adventure story with all of you. As you will soon hear, she emulates the spirit of adventure, just being brave and helping remind all of us to simply get out the door. And yes, sometimes things will be hard, but that is temporary and this season of hard things will pass. And in the end, we will all have this amazing shared experience that will sear lifelong memories into our soul. So much of my conversation with Courtney happened off the air as much as we have on the air. And this clearly could have been at least three episodes. So I tried to consolidate it down into some of the highlights of her story. But I am so excited to share with you that this is also Courtney's maiden voyage on a podcast as a guest. And so with that, please join me in welcoming Courtney Fleet. Courtney, welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so excited. I, Courtney, you and I know each other and you have an amazing adventure story. Can you just kind of lean in and tell us a little bit about your adventure story and take us on your journey? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of it started in childhood. I grew up in Oklahoma and it's in the middle of the country and (laughs) we drove everywhere. Um, It was just kind of the easiest way to get around for us and our little Nissan Sentra just because we had so much family and so many friends throughout the country that we incorporated visits with them with our adventures. Both of my parents were on a school schedule, so we had breaks at the same time. And so we really capitalized on that time away from school and work and we just drive. And we saw national parks and 
if you know my mother, presidential cemeteries and just incorporated <laughs> um, a lot of different geography and people. Um, and that just kind of, I guess, sparked my desire to see new places, ultimately stemmed from my parents making that a priority for us. And, you know, my mom, I think was kind of the instigator with planning the trips. And so it just, it came naturally because it was part of my upbringing. That's awesome. That's what the show is all about, right? Is how do we build that into people's family culture? So super excited to hear that from the start. As you started your own story, so you're, I'm assuming, graduating high school. I mean, anything noteworthy from high school that you would want to mention or college that was of interest to you that kind of fueled the adventure fire within? Well, I moved from Oklahoma to North Carolina in high school. So that was a very hard transition. I was 15 going into my sophomore year of high school. And so uh, that was an adventure in, in and of itself yeah. um, to kind of basically move for the first time. Though I had seen other places, I hadn't lived anywhere else. And so that's a, a big shock. Kind of brought me into a new world for a while, but brought me to a new place to live. Um, and I loved being in North Carolina. I went to UNC. And during my time in college, I studied abroad. I went to Florence, Italy. And that was something that I wanted to do and I made happen, made sure that I took the classes and, and got the credits to be able to go away for a semester. I had been to Europe before with family, but certainly this was taking a, a much bigger step to do it more so on my own and just know that when I was over there, my goal was to see Italy, to really travel. So I made sure to take advantage of my time there and my three-day weekends. And I think of the entire four months that I was there, I think maybe two weekends I spent actually in Florence. The rest of them, I was somewhere. My heart is smiling. <laughs> I, I, love, I love that ability just to go. Italy's on my list. I'm sure it's on a lot of listeners' list. Can you just give us some insights? Like, where did you go? What did you do? Just give us a flavor of what some of those weekend adventures were. They came inspired by a lot of different things. I think going there, you know, you want to see Rome and Venice and kind of the highlights that you hear about. But the university there was really good about also providing trips. And so they took us to, you know, little areas that maybe you wouldn't think of that also came in tandem with the curriculum. And so that was very nourishing to just the learning experience. You learn about that piece of art or that artisan or that sculptor or that historic leader, and then you go see the metropolis that they lived in and, and built and created and Florence itself has, I mean, amazing artwork. The Uffizi, you know, you just stand in front of Venus and I would just melt because it was just, it's right there. And, you know, we're just within Florence, there's a lot to see. But I did go to places with some of my classmates. Um, several of us went up to Cinque Terre, which is it's the five lands along coastline up in the northwestern corner. And though it's slightly more touristy, we kind of just went for this basically six mile walk along the coastline. It brings you through the five towns, this meandering hike through the cliffside towns that just drop down into the turquoise blue water. I mean, it's just mm. indescribable. And that was something that we all kind of had seen and heard and knew we wanted to do. It was definitely a beautiful experience and I would recommend it. Another one that I ended up going to twice just with family visiting was Sorrento. 
you know, maybe it's not as much of a highlight for people. I think it's like the lemon capital of the world. It's just, there's lemons everywhere. It's very much incorporated into their decor and it smells amazing. We happened to go through there as we were doing Pompeii and the Isle of Capri because it's right along the, the Gulf of Naples, just south of Naples. And then I actually ended up going back with my aunt and uncle and cousins when we did the Amalfi Coast a little bit further south than that and ended up in Sorrento and just had one of those serendipitous moments where we were staying in this hostel, asked one of the workers, hey, you know, where do you recommend going for dinner? And she gave us a recommendation to this restaurant where when you walk in, you realize very quickly we were the only Americans in there. <laughs> and you're like, oh. it's not, you're not in tourist town anymore. Exactly. Like, this is, that's okay. This is what we wanted. And, you know, so my butchered Italian that I was learning, I tried to order some food and kind of wanting a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And so we ordered multiple things off the menu. And as the food started arriving, <laughs> the portions were enormous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, my god. Came out, my cousin's thing came out and my uncle who had very much kind of like tapas type of ordering like ordered three different things <laughs> surely the chef or the waiter will know like this is too much food and he'll just decide for me but I really think in the back they were just having a really good laugh about how much food we were about to receive oh funny we got a lot of it and it was amazing and it was I mean just so delicious and that they were so kind the chef came out and talked to us and it was just an experience that you can't plan for but yeah. you know it became just such a fun memory to talk about later but we got back in the car and playing um you know this Italian song and we just like felt so immersed in the culture and it's just something that I can share with those family members. And so when I see them, we always, we can recount that memory and just that fun time. Not everyone will, will have it when they go to Sorrento and they'll be like, oh, you know, it's a cute little town, but that's just something that will always stick with me. And I feel like you can cultivate just by getting to know the locals or getting to know even just like a concierge or something within where you're staying and get the local flair, get an experience that maybe you won't find in a tourist book or you won't find yeah. online when you're trying to research the area. Just tip. Is this such a good reminder? Because I feel like the planning part is always so stressful too of, oh, I have to hit this and I have to hit this. And I really love, I would agree, some of our greatest moments were just being in the moment and asking someone who either was a local or someone at the restaurant or wherever you are, you know, like, where could I go for this? Or what would you recommend? Or, you know, some of the most interesting things I've seen too are not necessarily even marked on maps or, you know, so. Right. That's awesome. I love that. You're in Italy for a semester. You come back. How did that transition go? I mean, you come back to school in America, right? Are you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I came back to UNC and I had done that semester abroad my fall semester of junior year. And so I had to finish out another three semesters. And you hope to kind of take what you learn from there. You take those experiences and that lifestyle in a way. I feel like stresses were different when we were there, at least for me, um, little things you could kind of wipe away. It, it's fine. It's, you know, it's no big deal. I'm in Italy. Like, how can you be upset when you're in Italy? And, you know, just waking up every morning, I would just be like, I'm in Florence. Like, you know, you just, I just woke up smiling because it was just, I tried to really appreciate my time there and coming home. It's like, well, I'm not in, I'm not in Florence, but it's like, I yeah. still have to stop waking up smiling like I still don't have to right. you know just you'd be sad because I'm no longer there you know I tried to really keep that mentality as much as I could just in the you know 
more so going with the flow, trying to appreciate the little things, seeing those just adventures day to day, you know, just at home and at school as being just as exciting and new and different as they were when they were in Italy. But it does start to fade over time. It is hard to keep up when you're just kind of back into the mundane routine. Mm -hmm. I know. I always felt like I was chasing then. Like when that started to happen, I was like, okay, I need my next big thing, right? I need my next adventure. I got to figure something out. That's when I would go into like Uber planning mode. So did you have a similar experience? Yeah, well, planning kind of switched gears a little bit because in after uh, graduating college, I applied for um, my doctorate in physical therapy. And so that was an adventure in itself and got into grad school and kind of got immersed into just that program. I got through about two years into the program. It's a three-year program. I actually found a little chunk of time that was available to me during my research. And I checked with all of my professors. I'm okay to leave, right? I'm leaving the country. (laughs) They're like, yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. So I was like, okay, goodbye. And so I got my plane ticket and went to South Africa. Oh, wow. And I needed to get away. I knew any time that I had, I wanted to utilize that freedom and go somewhere. I had a friend living there at the time. She was in Cape Town. And so her sister and I actually flew out there and spent 10 days touring Cape Town. And she worked in a very impoverished area. She worked with children of South Africa trying to help people within the town provide childcare and like after school programs. And so we got to go into um, just areas of that country that I don't know if I would have seen otherwise. I mean, certainly if you just go to tour, that's not where you're going to go. And that was incredibly eye-opening and something that I didn't think would affect me in that way. But I knew like in the moment of being there that I was forever changed just by witnessing that and just seeing things that unless you really kind of go looking for it, you may not always see even within the United States. Right. Because your exposure to those things, it doesn't seem real until it's face to face or, you know, it's one thing to read about it or to see it on the news or to see it somewhere. But then to see it in real life, I think it makes it it puts it into context. Exactly. Yeah. And just to see it through her eyes of being kind of one of the ones who was trying to help encourage the the women who were trying to provide these services and, and give them a platform to speak out and, and get the necessary supplies and so that that in itself was just more than I had expected. But she did get some time away from work. And so we were able to drive along the southern coastline. It's called the Garden Route. And we just, well, she drove because uh, it was on the other side of the road with a stick shift. So <laughs> <laughs> we were very grateful to her <laughs> to take us. And uh, so the three of us just packed up this little car with our stuff. And uh, we went shark diving and bungee jumping and... Um, cave crawling. I mean, it was just through things that the United States would not allow you to do. (laughs) um, Okay. Well, I just want to make a disclaimer because this is really about simple adventures. So you are totally like extreme adventure. (laughs) Holy cow. I don't know that I would ever sign up for bungee jumping. So I wasn't, it wasn't on my radar until we were in the airport going to South Africa. And um, my friend's sister was like, you know, it's the highest bungee jump in the world. Right. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, <laughs> if we're there, we have to do it. <laughs> so we did. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you just got like a no gold star or something. I don't know. I think you are way more brave than I am. I don't think I will be shaved. I was writing down shark diving. No, thank you. Because <laughs> 
I am too. Like, yeah, no, I'm I'm perfectly fine looking at those from a boat. So I'm glad you enjoyed those adventures. I'm gonna live through your adventure story on that one. I think. Yes, it was it was very adventurous, and I had a blast. I I I would do it again, but um, I was definitely not uh prepared for that at first. But you know, when in Rome, <laughs> you gotta do it. Yeah, so, or South Africa, South Africa exactly. <laughs> Okay, so is there more to this adventurous story or is it mostly international travel or where are we at at this point? My sister actually moved out to Oregon while I was in grad school and while on the West Coast did the Pacific Crest Trail. And, you know, just kind of hearing her adventures and her journey kind of sparked, okay, well, let's meet up somewhere. You know, you're, you're in Oregon, I'm in North Carolina, let's find somewhere you know, within the US, we can both fly to and we can have a nice backpacking trip together because that was something we did enjoy doing together when we were both living in North Carolina. And part of the Pacific Crest Trail is the John Muir Trail, which goes from Yosemite to Mount Whitney. That was one of her favorite sections. And so we kind of started planning it. It's a process to plan for that. You have to apply 168 days in advance and buy facts. It's such an odd number. I'm sorry. I'm just like, Yes. What? 168 days. Okay. Yes, that's when you can start. That's like when it's open to you. And so you have to plug in your your starting point, your ending point, the date range that you expect to be there. And they do this to try and protect the trails and really decrease foot traffic, which I genuinely appreciate, but it's really uh, stressful <laughs> to try and get a yeah. permit. And so I was applying every day for several weeks because that was kind of our you know, our moving timeline of how, what dates we could actually make it work where we knew we could safely complete the trail and she could get back to work. Um, I had quit my job at that time. I was about to move. And the last day I could apply, we, we got the permit. And so, uh, yeah, so it was just amazing. So, you know, from there that's, you know, February and we're planning July and August from knowing that we had that start date, then you go into, planning the mileage, the food, because you have to mail yourself the food. It's so remote that you have to meal prep and do a lot of like freezer dried food and just those kind of pre-made mm-hmm. meals, whatever snacks you want to send yourself, send it in a bucket to any of the mail drops that you can get to along the trail or to a post office that has to then deliver it by donkey <laughs> to get to oh, this wow. area. So you really have to plan ahead of time. So She's on the food end. I'm on the travel end trying to coordinate, okay, well, we arrive in this airport, but we still have to get ourselves to Yosemite. We get off of Mount Whitney. There was a lot of of preparation just in itinerary, let alone trying to train. Yeah. I was just going to ask that. I was like, okay, so like elevation, you're in North Carolina, right? What what is the elevation difference? Like, how do you train for Mount Whitney? How do you like there's it's quite a difference. Yeah, I think. um, Yeah, some of the the peaks around where I'm living are, you know, 2000 feet in elevation. And Mount Whitney is 14.5, I think. So, you know, we're, we're basically the, you know, most um, mountain passes you're coming up at around 12,000 feet. I mean, you're, you're quite a bit higher than at least I was experiencing in North Carolina. Um, And so my training was doing the little glorified hills of North Carolina with, you know, as many textbooks as I could throw in my backpack because you have to carry all of your own food, all of your own gear, all of your own water for the most part. I mean, there's definitely rivers throughout, but um, I did as much as I could, but it it was not the same until you got out there. And then it just, 
kind of humbles you a little bit in the beginning, <laughs> getting out of the valley that is Yosemite. You feel like such a small, right? I'm assuming like this is huge. These these mountains are oh, huge. Yeah. Yosemite is huge. You know, you just feel like such a speck of something. Yeah. I mean, it's going through, um, you know, the Sierra Mountains you're hitting uh, starting in Yosemite. You're going through Ansel Adams Wilderness, Kings Canyon National Park, Sequoia National Park. I mean, it's hitting these just amazing regions of the country that you really can only get to by foot. And that was the part that it was just wow. most incredible. It was like something I've never seen. I mean, it's just to be out there and to, I mean, you, you did the same thing every day. You woke up and you walked. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't have to plan your day at well, that point. Yeah. No, it's very simple living, which I love. The views are, I mean, just beyond anything you can imagine. Anything on the trail, like any habits or any practices that would just kind of fill the time? Because I'm assuming, yeah, you have the views, but were there ever moments where you were kind of like, okay, now what, you know, or anything like that or any insights on that side? Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, my sister and I backpack very differently. We hike at different speeds. And so, you know, we're together for 21 days and we still kind of made the trip our own. We hiked at our own pace and just knew where our next spot was going to be. So there was a lot of times that I was actually by myself. So, you know, you find your own mantras that you say in your head when you're in the lows of the, <laughs> the mm -hmm. climb. Listen to a lot of podcasts. That mm. was fun. Kind of motivating and stimulating in that way. Listen to music or just trying to, you know, take in the scenery. Just kind of meditate in the space. One practice that we did because, you know, though each day was just walking, I feel like we're just walking and eating the whole time. Um, <laughs> but I mean, let's just preface that though you're walking like 20 some miles. Yeah. It's not like you're just like going for a walk, okay? <laughs> Leisurely stroll. Really My walking and eating definition is very different yeah. than yours. <laughs> it is. Yes. In that moment, yes. It's very different. But we had a practice at the end of the day where we talked about our, our thorn and our rose. And so what was the best part of the day? What was the worst part? Because there were a lot of challenges. I mean, we, we hit some bad weather. Um, one day we had hail and it was kind of that moment of like, do we try and set up our tent right now or do we push through this weather and get to where we were going to get to tomorrow? <laughs> and that yeah. was our longest day. That was a very hard day. You know, you get there and you're just like exhausted, but you still have to set up your tent. And <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, I hate setting up a tent when we get to a campsite and it's raining or everything, you know, and I still have all the modern amenities like a car yeah. to go sit in if I need it. Yeah. It's just not the same when you're wet and you're cold and yeah. Unfortunately, that was kind of, you know, that was probably the worst weather we got and it really wasn't very much. But, you know, so we still had, though it was picturesque viewing and beautiful scenery to enjoy the whole day. You did have hardship throughout just the process of getting there or something hurt or, you know, and so we kind of talked through that just to remember the highlights of the day, but also talk about what was challenging. And I feel like that's just a good mindset too, of being able to kind of dissect your day and mm -hmm. talk through it together. And it was a shared experience. And then we always shared a podcast before bed. So that was fun. <laughs> just a little thing to, to do together because I mean, you're in, you're in your campsite. We had a rule that we wouldn't eat dinner before 4.30 because <laughs> we were so hungry and so tired <laughs> that once it literally hit 4.30, we'd eat and we'd get ready for bed. And I mean, you're basically in your sleeping bag by six and then you're up at six the next day to do it all again. So for some of my moms on the that are listeners, I'm just imagining them going, oh my gosh, to have 12 hours of sleep again? Like, <laughs> I know. 
It was. It was quite glorious. <laughs> yeah. If you only knew then what was coming, right? So what is coming? What did come? You're in a different place now. You're Well, first of all, let's come back from that before I go there. You come back from John Muir. Like, how do you transition here? I mean, it's one thing to go back to school where there's a structure, but from my understanding of your story, you didn't have a job. So it was a matter of, and then yeah. how do you, That that's such a pinnacle moment. How do you leave all of that? behind and try to move forward? Um, It was a very big high to come off of because it was such an accomplishment to do the trail, to complete it in its entirety, you know, to share that experience with my sister and then have to fly back to different states. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you didn't even get to like be around each other to, to talk about it and, and to keep kind of reliving it together. And I came home to Winston-Salem where I was moving to and I didn't have a job. Uh, and I thought it would be, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll get a job. And I didn't for about six weeks, mm. which is somewhat terrifying when, you know, you just kind of expect to come back and get into a routine and, and make a living and it wasn't happening. And so it felt a more of a low than I think I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I got a job, got kind of, because it, it was in a transition time that I was you know, leaving my old work that I'd been at for three years and going to a new place because I was following a boy. And so, you know, a lot of things were were transpiring in that time, but we got married and we were still living in Winston-Salem now and uh, now have two little girls. You're not hiking yeah. Mount Whitney anymore, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't uh, mastered that one just yet. <laughs> so what is that? Yeah. Adventures as a mom you know, any lessons learned in that process or any tips for us to consider? Or what, what does that look like? Maybe even start there. It's a transition for sure. I obviously have, I mean, hiking in my blood, that's just something that I love to do. And I never anticipated losing that. And so hiked all throughout my first pregnancy with my first daughter while pregnant with the second and really tried to do as much as I could right before the second one came just because I knew, well, I figured it would be a lot harder with two. Our first one was still quite young. That like newborn to 12 months old is for me was a little bit easier to hike in retrospect now having two. They're currently two and a half and nine months old. And so having an immobile baby that you could put into a carrier <laughs> Yeah. And hike with still made it pretty doable. I I did have some learning moments where I was doing it through the fall. My husband works in athletics and so he has um, very long hours due to football season. And so I had most weekends where he was working or traveling. And so I wanted to still capitalize on my weekends. And as the weather got colder, I think was kind of my hardship and like learning how to navigate making sure she was comfortable. And I don't think I always got that right. But it's hard to know because she can't communicate that she would just be crying like, are you cold? Are you tired? I don't know. And so um, there were some times where I was doing longer hikes and she was less comfortable. But um, (laughs) (laughs) we did it. Uh, But she got very, you know, used to just being on trail. And that was kind of my hope is that this was just something we do and being outdoors and doing these longer walks and being comfortable in a carrier. And then my second daughter came right before COVID hit. So that was a big transition. We we didn't really leave the house at all. For a long time, we did neighborhood walks um, just because it was COVID and that's Mm -hmm. all you can do. So I knew throughout this transition of going from one to two, 
which anyone will tell you one plus one does not equal two. No. <laughs> with babies. And two plus one does not equal three, just to let you know. <laughs> so I knew through these neighborhood walks, um, we would do this big loop around the neighborhood that my two-year-old, she could walk a mile and a half consistently. We were doing this every Saturday and Sunday. And so suddenly I realized, oh, we haven't been on the trails. Like, why haven't I been hiking? Eventually, when my daughters were 27 months and six months old, I went on my first hike with both of them. My mom came with me on that one to give you a perfect example of how I wanted the hike to be something that I wanted and not something that was catered to little legs and carrying a baby. (laughs) The trail I had picked was a round trip of six miles. Minor. I don't. Minor. Yeah. I really don't know what I was planning. Like, who? I think I, I was like, oh, my mom will, like, will switch. My mom will carry the baby and I'll carry the two year old and it'll be fine. That was asking a lot of my mother, I realized. Her legs were, her little legs. I mean, at that point, you know, she's 27 months. She doesn't want to be carried. I tried. She didn't, she didn't want to go in the pack. She didn't want to go on my shoulders. Like she was, she was wanting to walk. And so I was like, six miles is not going to happen. And I had to come to that realization and kind of mourn the loss of this summit that I had planned that I wanted. You know, it was kind of a, a humbling moment as a parent of like, oh, like, okay, this is, (laughs) this is not all about me. Yeah. But that's a transition, right? You don't, nobody gives you that insight going into motherhood. I think, especially around adventure, you just assume like, this is what society tells me, or this is what I want. Nobody helps you with that. So uh, while it's humbling, it's also very real. It is. And it's, yeah. And I think everyone kind of experiences it differently. For me, it was, um, it was a little bit harder. I feel like I had been so used to just throwing a baby in a pack and and going on a hike with our first. And, you know, that just didn't seem as difficult. You know, I could do it and I could still do the trails I wanted. And that first experience of wanting to do six and we made it, I mean, we made a mile and a quarter before realizing like we should probably turn around. Mm So got down back to the car and that was two and a half miles that she had done. She'd never done that before. And so, you know, in that regard, she had a great time and she did fantastic. I learned a lot of just little ways to keep her motivated because of course, like, you know, 0.1 0.1 miles in, she's like, carry me. <laughs> no, <laughs> you do have to walk some of it. And so, you know, we encouraged her with the trailblazes, little circles to try and get excited about finding the next one and running up to it. And of course, food and snacks are very helpful. Yes, bribery. <laughs> yes, yes, it's very good. Um, but she, she did it. I mean, she did two and a half miles and I was trying to like put my sadness aside that I didn't get the whole six miles in and get to the top. Like she did great. And I was so proud of her. The nine month old did fantastic. She was just chilling in the front pack. Um, That alone, you know, I had to realize like, okay, this is, this is the mindset I need to be in. Like, let's find either trails that we can just do kind of an out and back. Um, So then my, my adventuring each weekend looked different than I thought it would. So I had to plan a little bit differently, think through the trails before I went to them, think through weather changes, snack needs, diapers, food, you know, all for two now, (laughs) both of their needs and um, be able to carry it all because it's going to be on in my backpack. (laughs) Let's pause there for just a second, because when you describe that, 
that can feel really overwhelming and keep people mm-hmm. from starting. Do you have any tips on how did you get through that? Like, how do you even get, I don't know how to describe it, but like in that moment where you're like, oh, I got to get this and I got to get this and I got to get this. And for some, that's like, yeah, that's why I don't do it. So any tips? Why would we still do that if it's hard? It is hard. But for me, it's worth it. It's a worthwhile hard. And I was willing to try. You know, I try and think through as many possible scenarios. You can't plan for all of it because, of course, one time I brought the pink jacket and she only wanted the purple jacket. And that was just, I didn't have it. And so that's just the, you know, the nature of a stubborn two-year-old. And so you can't plan for everything just in their mood swings and their needs. But I do try and think through some of the things that I think we may encounter or the problems that we may have. And that helps kind of settle my mind of I've done as much as I can to prep for success. Mm-hmm. My success being completing an entire trail that that I wanted to complete yeah. um, with them. But, you know, you still have to kind of surrender to it. And maybe we won't. Maybe we'll, you know, we'll get as far as we can and then we'll come back. What's the area we're in? If we don't make it to the top, what's something else we could do? Is there another shorter trail or just a playground or a park that we can still be outside and, and cater to, you know, the potential needs? But I feel like just getting the things prepped and then getting out the door because getting out the door is the hardest part. Oh, I love that. Yeah, because no matter what, even if it doesn't go according to plan, the opportunity isn't lost and you could still get outside and do something, even if it, like you mentioned, yeah, you mourn the loss of your own summit, but your daughter gained a whole new experience in the process too. You know, she tackled a new summit, so to speak. She she mm-hmm. hit a whole new milestone, which is huge. And so yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I think getting out the door, just do it. Just get out the door. Yeah. I just try it. I mean, you know, and if it's shorter than you thought or you don't go as far or take reinforcements and <laughs> bring friends and husbands and, you know, whoever, and that's fine too, you know, kind of make it an adventure with people. And so you have that support, that first step and giving it a try. You know, I've taken some risks with my girls. I, I did one, I went up Stone Mountain and it was uh, 1.7 miles to the top. And she had never done that much before. Um, and so, you know, doing a full, you know, nearly four miles round trip for her, I was like, well, we're going to try it. <laughs> Tried to get friends to go along and no one could go. And I was like, well, it's, ar- it's already in my head. Like I'm, I'm mentally there to give this a try. So we, we have to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, brought both the girls up with me and they did amazing. And just being able to actually reach the summit with them and sit at the top and just soak that in with them. It was just, I mean, my, my, my heart, my hiking heart, my mama heart was, were just smiling and beaming because it was a beautiful day. It was beautiful views. And that was so rewarding. And it, I felt accomplished in that it was, you know, it was successful in a lot of different ways. And we sang songs and we counted and we, you know, just added as much fun as we could. And I tried to incept the idea that she was having a good time. (laughs) Like, look, you were having so much fun, aren't you? Like, look how fun this is. And just talking about it in very positive ways with her. (laughs) Maybe she'd think that as well. But yeah, all in all, she she did amazingly well. But I I didn't know that it could not, you know, maybe it didn't wasn't going to go that well. And it would have been a long drive (laughs) for, you know, who knows what kind of experience. But again, I was... I was willing to take that risk and I was willing to try. Yeah. Well, Courtney, as you were saying, your hiking heart was smiling and your mama heart was smiling. I think all of my listeners and myself included was sitting here just like smiling from ear to ear. I'm like, it's such an awesome story. Like that's what this is all about is just having these memories Mm because that's what people can't 
nobody can take those away from you. Like these moments are where real, even if she doesn't remember it, right? She's going to know that I did these awesome things outside with my mom when I was little. I don't really remember what it was. And correct me if I'm wrong, was this the experience uh, on social media where you posted the picture and she's in ruffle socks? and Oh, yeah. Because outfits for a two and a half year old, man, she's stubborn about those. And she wanted these pink ruffle socks and this little Mary Jane shoes. And that's that's what we hiked in. And she did great in them. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, so proud of herself for getting up there in those little shoes. <laughs> so let that be a lesson to all of us for real. Like you don't need the right gear. You don't no. need the right, you know, just get outside and do it. And then, yeah, I think yeah. sometimes we lose sight of what the real goal is sometimes and worry about all the things or all the steps to get there. Yeah, yeah. The gear I mean, is is far less important than just the doing. That's perfect. That's such a great point. Any tips, you know, for listeners or anything, any insights into your story that you feel like we didn't ask you about that you wanted to highlight or anything you would suggest my listeners lean into? You know, you talked about like different mindsets and things that you've learned from your travels. And one of them that I still try and, you know, use today, which doesn't always happen, is that everything is temporary. Mm. And so there was a scenario where, I was traveling back from Greece with a friend. We flew from Athens to Milan and missed our connecting flight from Milan to Florence. And we basically, the only option we had was to take a train back from Milan to Florence, but it wasn't leaving for another like five or six hours. And so in, you know, I think it was early November, it was freezing cold. The train was leaving at like 5am. And so it's, you know, through the night, we're sitting in this open air train station, just frigid cold, upset that we had missed our flight, really having no other options. It was a Sunday night. So we were arriving Monday morning at 8am for an 8am class that of course I attended. (laughs) And, and I was sitting there just like miserably cold. We had Uh, I had a trash bag in my pack. And so I was like wrapping myself in this trash bag, trying to stay warm. And I'm I'm trying to imagine all of this. Yes, it is. I mean, it's like anyone walking by, I was like, what is going on? But we, it was not enjoyable. It was so cold. And, you know, to sit there and be like, but I'm in Italy, you know, like still trying to be happy about it. It was not, it was not happening. But we coined a term throughout our travels when little bad things would happen. That one was probably the worst one is that this will be funny tomorrow. Mm. And it's true because I can tell that story and laugh about it and remember how miserable and cold I was, but I was fine. Like I wasn't in harm's way. Like I was just in a train station freezing. And I feel like that's a mentality that I try and, you know, uh, use in my day to day where if things are hard or situations are not ideal, things aren't going the way that I had planned or had hoped that this is just a season or this is just, it's temporary. We can get past this. We'll try again. You know, that the trail that I wanted to hike didn't get there, but we still succeeded in some way and we can always try again or, you know, this, this season or this tantrum or this, whatever it is, is temporary. And that mindset though, you know, learned sitting in a train station can, I feel like still apply in a lot of different ways. And I feel like that's really helpful with travel because there are so many things that are unknown and that can be very 
uh, fear provoking of, but I don't know much about that area or I don't know how to get there or what it's going to be like. And so just that fear is enough to, to paralyze someone from not wanting to even attempt it. Yeah. I have to kind of, you know, talk myself up with some of these things because a lot of them were completely unknown to me. The, that even that is temporary. Cause then once you're there, it's like, Oh, okay. This isn't so hard. I can take this one step at a time, one day at a time. And I think that's a, a mindset that I try and incorporate into my travels as well. Um, and something that I've just learned from my travels. That is such awesome wisdom. And I'm, I'm going to end it on that because that's super awesome. I love that tip. Not only do I love it, but I just think it's so applicable to life, right? Even though it was learned in this train station over kind of a silly misery story, how many times do we think that we can't move forward because of this one thing? Mm-hmm. And it could be big. It could be small. But regardless, it's temporary. This will pass. It'll get better, especially given the year and all of the things. I think that is just awesome, awesome advice. Courtney, I just want to close with one thing. If people want to get in touch with you, you are a member of the Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group. Is that the best way to connect with you? Yes. Yeah. Find me on there. Reach out. I can definitely give you more of my personal information. We can chat more. Um, I have you know, other experiences that we can lean into and talk about or any questions that someone may have. I can definitely try and, and navigate. I you know, have only done so many hikes and safety permitting. I would love company if you're in the area. So, <laughs> Yeah. And you are in Winston-Salem? I am. Yes. North Carolina. And um, yeah, there's definitely, there's um, some mountains, North Carolina mountains around the region that I try and get out to. So yeah, I can give you a little few tips about the ones that I've uh, explored, but I, I, I'm always up for learning about more. That's Awesome. I so appreciate it. And everyone, just so you know, that's what Ordinary Sherpa is about. It's about connecting. It's about creating community, but it's also about lifting each other up and sharing what you know. You know, we want to support everyone's experience to connect through adventure. And so if if someone can make your path just a little bit easier, that's what we're here for. So thank you so much, Courtney. It has been such a joy and a pleasure to talk and learn more about your story. You've given us a ton of new ideas and we really appreciate it. I really enjoyed walking that journey with you today. And I know so many of my listeners will too. So thank you so much. Thank you. This has been so fun. And I love the podcast. I love the idea and community behind it. I think it's going to be amazing. Are you all smiling right now? Seriously, I I listened back on this episode and just literally my heart smiled again. I'm so excited that Courtney was willing to share her story with you. I just wanted to recap with a couple of key takeaways that I noted throughout this episode. One, having adventure baked into the family culture helps spontaneous experiences come much more naturally throughout life. Two, approach the opportunity of unplanned time with a curious mindset. Not all experiences can be planned for. Three, memories equals shared experiences. Having a shared experience with family fosters connection. While the adventure will end, the memory of that experience can stay with you for as long as you want. Four, The habit of enjoying the moment and waking up with a smile on your face can go with you wherever you land. Five, use your connections to create a different experience. Her experience in South Africa would never have happened as a tourist. Six, the shared experience of hiking with her sister was not mutually exclusive to together time. 
Seven, how do you build into your process for coming down from an adventure and transitioning back into daily life? Eight, becoming a mom doesn't mean you leave your passion. It means you adapt it to include the ones you love. I needed to put my sadness aside and honor the accomplishment of my daughter. It was a good frame of reference and mindset that I needed to be able to do this with both kids and include them in my passion. Nine, get out the door. Getting out the door is the hardest part. You won't get it right. You won't get it perfect, but just try it. 10. Try again. As Courtney noted in her Stone Mountain hike, when you reach that peak, my mama heart, my hiking heart were smiling at the summit. It was a new level of accomplishment that I had never experienced before. 11. The gear is far less important than the doing. Mary Janes and ruffle sacks are perfectly okay. 12. Embrace the mindset that everything is temporary. Things are hard. Things aren't going to go as hoped. This is just a season and we can always try again. This tantrum, this moment, this season, it's all temporary. And by the way, this will be funny tomorrow. So good. Oh my gosh. So much learning. So much goodness. I'm just loving this community. I love having the Sherpas of this group contribute and tell their stories. And so this was just one example of many more to come. I want to look back at the last episode. I did offer a drawing for every five written reviews, and I did get five. So I have one giveaway today of the adventure calendar. It's a scratch off 12 days of adventure leading up to the holidays. I know it's a little time specific, but I just want to give a big shout out to anyone who takes the time and leaves a written review, you have no idea how much that means to us in the podcast world. It is how we get our podcast exposed, and it is literally like giving life to our podcast. So if you would be so kind, I would be so grateful. Today's review comes from Jennifer and Clayton, and it states, Ordinary Sherpa has infused new life into our family. The conversations are full of easy-to-implement ideas for enriching the mundane in a way that inspires. Awesome, quick episodes full of unique and playful ways to maximize joy and meaning for families. I am so grateful for what Ordinary Sherpa has already brought to our lives. Jennifer and Clayton will be receiving the scratch-off calendar. If you are interested in a scratch-off adventure type experience, we do still have the Adventure Challenge books available. The link is in the show notes. And if you use the code Ordinary Sherpa, you'll get 10% off your complete order. We use it. We love it. I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't believe in it. And I just think it's a fun way to kick off 2021. I know it's probably too late for a holiday gift, but there's no wrong time to start adventuring. Thank you so much for joining me, folks. Ordinary Sherpa is all about connecting and community. It's also about lifting each other up. And I think Courtney demonstrated that, that if you are interested in connecting with Courtney, her information is below, but she is also a member of the Ordinary Sherpa group. So I'd encourage you to come check us out on Facebook, Ordinary Sherpa, if it's in the group section. We'd love to have you to continue this conversation and go deeper. Feel free to ask questions. We will even do follow-up episodes if you have additional questions. Courtney is very open to that. So with that, thank you so much for joining us on this adventure. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. 
subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure. Adventure.